Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 115 and today I'm talking with Dorian Greenell of Keto Mojo. Now Dorian and I met at the PHC conference back in May and Dorian and his wife Gemma were traveling to a few conferences around Europe and it took a while before they were back in the States and we could record. At the conference I talked to Dorian for a bit but then we had to take our seats and we didn't manage to get into our conversation very much. So it was great to be able to talk to him today. Here's a bit about Dorian. In 2015, Dorian weighed 210 pounds and had nearly all the markers for metabolic syndrome. He and his wife Gemma embarked on the ketogenic lifestyle, began monitoring their glucose and ketones to dial in their nutrition choices. Within six months, Dorian had lost 47 pounds and came off all medications. The ketogenic lifestyle changed their lives, but ketone testing was expensive and inaccessible to many in need. In 2017, Dorian successfully launched Keto Mojo, lowering the cost of ketone testing by 75%, offering the first affordable, accurate blood glucose and ketone testing meter. With the release of the GKI Europe and GK Plus meters and the HIPAA and GDPR compliant MyMojo Health, their platform now provides real-time data for monitoring and compliance, resulting in better health outcomes. Dorian speaks at numerous conferences globally. Additionally, he and Gemma also founded the Ketogenic Foundation, a non-profit charity fostering ketogenic education, medical research and information sharing for the benefit of improving the health of humankind. Let's go and listen to the interview. Welcome, Dorian, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. We always ask our guests, where in the world are you? Well, it's greetings from sunny California. I'm actually in the Napa Valley. Uh, that's north of San Francisco, and it's a gorgeous day today. Yeah, we've had a lovely day as well. Clear blue skies, 30 degrees. Lovely. Yeah, unusual, I'll, be out at that. I'll be out at solar noon to make sure I get my little 10 minutes of vitamin D sunshine to make sure that I top that up. Do you strip off to do that? 100%. <laughs> I have a great app that tracks everything where I am in the world, elevation, ultraviolet index, when is the best part time for um, uh, to get your vitamin D, utilizing that uh, ultraviolet B rays um, uh, that are coming on in. And I just segment it in so I can get the, the perfect amount in under eight minutes. Wow. 
Can you share the name of that with us? It's called D-Minder. It's a, it's a great app. You can, you can say, okay, where am I? How, many, how much clothing do I have on? Uh, what is uh, the, the cloud state that is above? It locates you where you are, and it tells you the perfect time in which to get your vitamin D. And I've moved myself up from being vitamin D deficient because you know I work in a cave. I get into a mobile cave. I shop in a cave. And then everybody was saying, hey, you've got to fear the sun because it's really bad. And you realize, well, I'm vitamin D deficient, so I need to change this. Mm. And it was a very simple app. And over the last 60 days, I've gone from being vitamin D deficient to nearly 60 nanograms per milliliter. And uh, perfect. Fabulous. I love the sound of that. I shall have yeah, to. I, I like to find little cool biohacks like that. Make the change. <laughs> yeah. I try to get out a couple of times during the day and just walk around whatever the weather doesn't always happen. Sometimes, you know, work gets in the way and I feel tied to my desk, but I try, do try and get out once or twice. So why don't you start by telling us your journey and how you came to keto and what, yeah, what, what led you there to start with? Well, we can go back a long distance to 26 years ago. I moved from Buckfield in the East Sussex over to America with $750 in my pocket and a backpack and started working in America, eating the standard American diet. And, you know, I never went to, uh, never had pizza, never went to fast food stores. We, we cooked, we eat good food. We were in the food industry for many years. I moved to California, I was in the wine industry, eating great food, organic and everything like that. But my weight started um, piling on and eventually back in 2015 i was on antidepressants i was had all the i was pre-diabetic and i'm like what what's going on here and i, I needed to make a change and you know i had I had a friend say to like you know dorian you got to give up the white devils he's from the south he goes like hey dorian you need to give up the white devils you got to cast those white devils out of your out of your life and i'm like what are you talking about? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've seen my wife do every single fad diet that could possibly exist in the world. Uh, and I, even the, 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 I can still remember the horrors of the cabbage soup diet. My house stunk and my wife stunk. It was rather, rather bad in that respect. So I started reading up on low carb ketogenic diets. I was reading the work of Lustig, Taubes, Volick, Finney, uh, Westman, uh, Dr. Nasha Winters, and you start looking at all of those books. You just start looking at the po at the uh, the YouTube videos and the podcasts, and the science was so evident. It was it's quite quite remarkable. And forgive me, I, I can't give this in stone to the British audience, but my weight had got up to about two hundred and seven pounds, and that for me was my my demarcation you somebody might be able to do the calculations as to what that yeah, would be instead probably around um 14 and a half stone something like that yeah so that sounds yeah. about right and so my weight got up to there so i started on a well-regulated ketogenic diet and i was testing with the abbott meter that was available in the united states to test my beta hydroxybutyrate in my blood um, so I could really dial it in. I like to dial things in and be as efficient as I can uh, when, when I'm doing things. And over a period of about six to seven months, my weight dropped off. I've lost 47 pounds. Um, that's a sack of concrete, if you will. Uh, and, you know, uh, my 
joie de vivre was so much better. I came off of all of the um, uh, antidepressant medication that I was on. And when I went back to my doctor, doctor my biomarkers were absolutely perfect. I was not, no longer had the metabolic syndrome, no longer had the, um, uh, was pre-diabetic, which for me was fabulous. You know, there I was at 45 years of age feeling the best I'd ever done. I felt like I was in my, in my 20s again. I had there having that joie de vivre that you could take on the world. And that's where I was looking at this, the Abbott meter. And in America at that time, testing strips were like four to five dollars um, for a testing strip. And I was like, why is this thing so expensive? So I built up a list of different manufacturers across the globe. I cross-matched that to the federal regulations to see who was permitted and who was not. And the business plan was test three times a day for less than the cost of a latte. And eventually I managed to find a manufacturer who would work with me. And I had to go to my wife of 26 years and say, hey, do you mind if I borrow some of the home equity line of credit to, to start up this crazy idea? And uh, <laughs> thankfully she, um, she, she, she was willing and... She asked me how much, and I was like, well, probably all of it, and ended up all of it, and then some. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we launched in 2017, and one month later after launch, we lost our house in the fires in California, and uh -huh. we were able then to use all of our insurance money and then all of our further house money to grow the company. And now uh, we are in 36 countries across the globe. And we are on a regular basis helping people reverse their type 2 diabetes, to, to lose weight, and to live healthy, vital lives. So that's sort of like the, the story of how we get to here. Yeah, excellent. And, you know, reversing your type 2 diabetes is always a great thing to do and not, not be on medications. But, you know, then the additional benefits of feeling good. And, you know, I often say I feel better in my 50s than I did in my even back as far back as my teens because I wasn't terribly healthy in my teens so yeah it, it's amazing the difference you feel isn't it yeah and we and we can also see this in a population basis um we have our brand new MyMojo Health platform that we've been working on for the for the last two years. So it's brand new to a lot of people, but for us, um, we've been working on creating a secure, HIPAA compliant, triple encrypted public health cloud. Uh, and you know, we have over forty eight thousand monthly users of this cloud, and we can actually see in that population their their blood glucose levels and i'm going to give this in american first because I, I know off the top of my head america is at 101 um, uh, milligrams uh, per, per deciliter yeah which is incredible for a population i think that's probably around about 5.1 millimoles maybe five millimoles uh for uh, for our european friends i'm just gonna so have it um, having a population of that size, having that good control, and that's before eating, after eating, that's across the board, everything. You know, there are many doctors, uh, most in America and in Great Britain, who would want to see their patients having an average blood glucose of around about five. Yeah, 5.6. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, astounding. Yeah. But uh, then we're looking at people that are really, really interested in in their blood sugars and, you know, changing their diet to do that. So, so for those listeners that maybe are not aware of Keto Mojo, maybe not aware of um, testing their BHB, um, could you just give us a little overview about what it does and how it helps people? 
Yeah, I can also like give a bit, a bit of an overview actually to ketones. There are three types of ketones. You've got acetoacetate, uh, you've got beta-hydroxybutyrate, and you have acetone. Um, about 28% of the energy that's in the body is in acetoacetate, but it's a very unstable compound and is quickly shunted into beta-hydroxybutyrate. Now, acetoacetate can sometimes be detected in your urine. It can spill on out in the early days. However, uh, its reliability uh, is, is very difficult because what the body does is it doesn't spill uh, acetoacetate in urine after a while. And so you can end up with what's known as a false negative. And it can also be compounded by hydration. Uh, so that can also affect into it. But it's very cheap. It's very affordable. And you can get your analysis strips, you know, um, maybe for about eight to 10 pounds in the United Kingdom. And so for a beginner, maybe that's just an easy way to dip your toe in, if you will, uh, into, into the world of, of keto. Now, beta-hydroxybutyrate is a very stable compound. It's can be measured in the blood. It represents about 70% of the energy um, that is available to the body. It has an ISO standard to it, which means that you know you're going to get consistency, reliability, and accuracy on the measurements. And it's used within all, um, uh, generally all clinical trials and studies. And so it's been well studied and it brings forward uh, that knowledge of what you are doing is, is either right or either either wrong. Mm -hmm. And the other measurement is, is acetone, which can be measured in breath. Um, but there is a lot of difficulty with them. They use what's known as a MOX sensor, which is a metal oxide sensor. And there's a problem with uh, repeatability and reliability because they get deg degradation on those sensors. And at the moment, I don't think the technology is there. Acetone represents about 2% of the energy in the body. It's sort of like an exhaust, if you will, because it's running through a separate metabolic pathway. So the gold standard is blood testing if you really want to kind of like do what the pros do and understand. And I look at measuring ketones, sort of like a, a map and compass model. If we're going to somewhere new, say we're trying wonderful Italian Mediterranean cuisine, and you want to know if you're going in the right direction, you're going to need a map and compass to guide you. The food map or the food that you're going to eat and the compass to guide you to see whether or not you're going in the right direction or the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Now, as we drive to work every day, do we need a map and compass? No. So the beauty of using uh, a ketone beta-hydroxybutyrate meter is that initially you test a lot, but if we've done our job correctly, the need to test diminishes until eventually you shouldn't really need to test because mm. you know the way, you know the route, and you are then healthy. Uh, my need to test is, is very little these days. Um, my wife is a certified sommelier, and so we only test for wine. We enjoy wonderful wines, and we have vibrant cuisine, and we want to have all the, the joys of life. I don't think of it as a diet. I think of it as a lifestyle. This is the way I have lived since 2015, yeah. and it works well for me because you now have that complete consistency. Yeah. So testing, I mean, testing for your blood, I've been testing since 2018, the beginning of 2018, actually. And like you say, I don't test very often when I tend to test now is occasionally once a week, maybe once every few weeks, just to see how I'm doing. Or if I'm doing something drastic, like a, a very long fast, and I want to see, is my blood sugar coming down my blood sugar generally sits quite high um around 95 97 it is always there unless 
I do a very long fast and then it will come down. So I did one last week and it came down to 3.8, I think, something like that, which is, I'll tell you what that is in a, in your terms, um, because I log it all. <laughs> your new meter just turned up um, not the other day. So I'm on the old meter and everything I have is on a spreadsheet. And now I can't find it. 3.2, I got down to 58. Uh, no, nice. Yeah, 58 um, milligrams per deciliter is a, is a classic fasted measurement. It's also interesting that you measured where you, you said where you are generally in the, in those 90s by using America, keeping the American measurements going there just for my edification. Uh, Bioindividuality is really important. You know, uh, and it's so for most people, it's sort of like what somebody else's blood glucose is or what their ketones is, isn't really that pertinent. It's important that the individual understands what their baseline is yeah. and they understand what is their why. And I, I kind of like, you know, I see a lot on social media influences saying, you know, you don't go chasing ketones, chase results without kind of prefacing is like what is that person's why like somebody who's doing a ketogenic diet for epilepsy is going to be different to somebody who is utilizing it for weight loss which will be different to somebody who's utilizing it maybe for bipolar or adhd or schizophrenia uh, and it might be different for somebody who's doing it for um, polycystic uh, ovarian syndrome uh, so you have to really look at the why and there are many different types of ketogenic diets and there's a spectrum that is that is out there and it, you have to work out what is your why first work out what you think is going to be the right style type of ketogenic diet for you and yeah. then work out what your baseline is and then work from there of what you think is going to be your optimal way of of living and way now personally for me because I was on an antidepressants for so many years, I found, because I kept a diary, like you you have your Excel spreadsheet, I was keeping a mood diary along with my ketone measurements. And I found that when I was between 1.1 and 1.7, this is where I had my, my joie de vie. When I get really high, I get a bit manic and start to do, want to do like all sorts of things, which really irritates my team and certainly my wife. <laughs> and then to the other side, I had the, the more morose, the depressed, unhappy, not productive member of society. So that for me is where I want to be because that's my why. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's important to understand yourself and and what your body does. And I think also the sustainability of the way you're eating, because if you're going to be miserable to maintain 1.7 in ketones, for example, then that's not that's not beneficial if you don't have a medical reason to do so. Now, some people yeah. do have, like you said, epilepsy, where they have to keep um, everything high. Um, so it has to be sustainable for you. So I, you know, we were talking at the PHC conference and I said quite often my ketones are fairly low. Um, and that's because do I eat loads of carbs? No, I probably average around 20 to 30, but maybe for that, me, that is a bit too much. Um, mm. So, you know. Now, if I'm correct, in the United Kingdom, when you say 20 to 30, that's always calculated as net carbs uh, because yeah. you already calculate, you already back it out on your nutrition labels as well on that one there. Yeah, so but I, my, when, I, when I'm talking, my, my 
total carbs are probably not far off because it tends to just come from vegetables. Mm-hmm. So it's probably, you know, I don't do baking or things like that. So mine are probably not not that far out. Right. Yeah, for many years, my wife had low ketones. And it's still, again, don't go chasing ketones, chase results. That could be work for one set of a population and others, it's a different kind of like thing. And it's the approach. Um, you know, when people sometimes ask me, well, how would you characterize a ketogenic diet in a, in a, in a sentence? I would say it is adequate fat, moderate protein, lots above ground leafy vegetables. Now, if I say moderate protein, I'm going to have the carnivores that's going to come up in, <laughs> uh, in that respect. But, you know, there are certain genetic SNPs that some people are not predisposed to be a carnivore. Be, and what I mean by having huge amounts of protein, because that can act um, uh, to actually um, uh, push a little bit more glucose into their bodies. That's some people. That's what we talk about bio-individually. Now, there are other people that can eat half a cow, thrive, got washboard abs, absolutely fantastic. And I'm like, great. I'm glad that works for yeah. you. Yeah. And so when we look at the adequate fat, well, what do we mean by adequate fat? Well, fat can certainly help you increase um, your ketone levels, especially then the good medium chain triglycerides, C8, C10s, those kind of things. So if you're looking to get your levels up, you can use that fat as being a little bit of a lever. But if you've got weight loss and you're already obese and you've got lots of fat on your body, adding more fat into your diet might not actually be necessary because you need to utilize your bodily fat um, for energy. But the important piece is getting the right balance for somebody who's looking for weight loss is that you still want fat and protein together for that feeling of satiety whilst grabbing a little piece from your body every single day. So gently over a period of time, your weight comes down. Comes down. And that, 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 you know, that kind of like piece can be dialed on in by checking your macros to start on the first part of your journey. And um, I counted my macros for maybe the first 30 to 45 days. And the only reason I did that was I wanted to understand what I was eating in, in, in terms of met, in metrics. Yeah. Once I clearly understood that, then I was like, okay, what does this what does this meal look like? You've got an idea. All right. And then utilizing my compass model of testing, I'm hitting my ketone numbers. I've got good glucose. I'm seeing my weight. I didn't fixate on the weight because we know the scales lie to you every morning. <laughs> uh, but I look at the trend over the month. Uh, I thought the non-scale victories was far more important. The selfie is amazing. I had my favorite belt. Well, when I got to the last notch on my favorite belt was was sort of like the wake up call when I was 207 pounds. It was like, Dorian, you've got no more room to move. You've run out of rope here and you've got to go and buy a, a new belt. And I'm Mr. Frugal when it comes to some things like that. Typical guy. Like, this is my favorite belt. I've had this since I was, you know, in my 20s. How could I replace this belt? And you could see all the lines over time as it went along. And so then I kept my belt. And as my weight was low, like I'd go look through the month and go, oh, I'm about a quarter way through between one knot to the next and then the next. And that then became my non-scale victory, mm-hmm. uh, as well as seeing your face change over the period of time. You know, it, I still now, when I go and look at myself in the mirror, I look at myself and go, well, this is, this is the different guy. This isn't the Dorian that I, I knew of five or 10 years ago. 
Yeah. It takes a while to get used to it, doesn't it? It does. When everything changes. And I mean, I don't know if you had tried reducing weight before keto, but it, it's so I hard. I went paleo. Yeah. I went paleo before I was keto because I thought paleo, that's got to be good. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I, we were still eating regular or organic food. And so we had organic and then we were paleo. And I was eating all of these fruit leathers. Like I was mango fruit leathers. Like you had no idea, which, you know, now I understand as I'm mainlining fructose by doing that. But yeah. I would, we would buy loads of these things that came on in. And, and so, yeah, I mean, paleo is a great marketing term. But you cannot test for paleo, but you can test for ketosis. Ketosis is a state of being. It's like being pregnant. You either are in ketosis or you are not. And that beauty of that is what helps a practitioner or a coach work with people. If you are in a state of nutritional ketosis, you will have blood, good blood glucose control, period. Yeah. Yeah, And this is the beauty of all of that comes to, you know, people say, well, you know, what about a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor? And I think they're fantastic for a type one. But mine is the most, when I put one on, it's the most boring thing you will ever know. My CGM just flatlines. So yeah. what's the point of me seeing a flatline? Now, if somebody is maybe new and starting, yeah, sure, stick a CGM on them. And when they go and eat mango leathers, they're going to see their blood spike up. Yeah, But once you understand that any carbohydrate, irrespective of the marketing name that it's given, ancient grains of the Aztec, Peruvian blue potatoes, whole grain Ezekiel bread, any carbohydrate will get turned to sugar and glucose within your body, period. Yes. Once you accept and understand that basic fundamental, life actually becomes a lot easier. I mean, I used to smoke when I was a young lad in England. One cigarette's not going to kill you, is it? One bagel's not going to kill you. One donut's not going to kill you. One packet of choc milk chocolate hobnobs is not going to kill you. And that was my one of my Achilles heel. Oh, tea? I just have one packet of one biscuit of milk chocolate hobnobs and one nipple in your nobbled. And the next thing you know, I've just eaten the entire packet over two cups of tea and then got into the car and grabbed a couple of Mars bars on my way home and then got in and had a couple of uh, stubbies to drink of so before I've started my evening meal, but then I'm going to cook an evening meal, have some more wine with that. And then you can see how the progression can occur. Yeah. I was talking with a lady yesterday and, and she said, Oh yeah, I'm really good. And I have this low carbohydrate um, cereal. So I said, show me the packet. So she showed me the packet. And for a portion of 32 grams, it worked at about eight grams of carbs, net carbs. And then she said, and I, and I put some shreddies with it, honey crunch shreddies. So now we're, we're, we've gone from our two teaspoons of sugar to, I can't remember how many of the shreddies were. And then, and I have it with a banana. So, you know, I said, well, you're looking at about 15 teaspoons of sugar before you even start your day. And people don't see that. You don't add it up and pile it up. You know, if you could pile it up, all that sugar that you're eating, because they don't realize that it all breaks down into sugar. So yep. if somebody let's talk about the individual before we go on to talk about maybe practitioners and coaches uh, and the the more the new updates that you've got on your website um 
if an if a new person decides yes i want to test i want to find out what my ketones are i want to know what my blood sugar is um what what pieces of advice of advice and and i know i'm going to ask you for your three top tips so you can repeat them if you want to but what pieces of advice would you give to people that are just starting out with a with a ketone meter with the keto mojo uh so two things first of all aspirationally you want to have a blood glucose of around about 83 milligrams per deciliter which i think is about 4.7 5 ish is what you're looking for mm-hmm. so that's kind of like where you want to have good stable blood glucose and and that's in the morning about an hour after waking next you want to be in ketosis and just for basic if we're talking weight loss we're not talking for any other kind of like disease state you want to be in nutritional ketosis which is 0.5 millimoles or above those are the two key areas is what your your goal is what you're looking for then if you're eating something and you do a baseline before you eat and then you eat a low carbohydrate or so you think is a low carbohydrate meal you really don't want to have a spike more than 30 milligrams per deciliter which is about 1.7 millimoles in that respect so i generally will measure myself and i'm going to talk an american measurement right here and normally my baseline is between 80 and 95 so that's kind of like i don't sweat that if i see that type of measurement and normally after eating i might be about 1 110 120 mm-hmm. that's fine that's perfect and obviously you're going if you see that plotted on the graph it's kind of like a flat line as 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 you go along yeah. um normally my measurements in the morning are my lowest of the day and by the time i get just before my evening meal it'll be about the highest of the day now because i'm ketotic all the time i choose not to cycle in or cycle out uh It, for, for me ideally i want to be between 1.1 and 1.7 and i generally do really about one meal a day ish with a light maybe midday mid afternoon kind of like i think it's more of a a brain thing than an, a need thing like my brain says oh you should have something you know because you've been you've been ringing pavlov's dog's bell for so many years and so that might be a simple roll up of lettuce a nut butter and maybe uh, a little piece of of meat like a pastrami or something like that just something just to satisfy the mind because right. you know it's 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 a psychological and a physiological game you know, the physiological game is the quite quite the easiest one the psychological one is the harder barrier for most um people so that's kind of like how i i use my compass points of utilizing a, a meter in that respect yeah and so that so somebody starting out they might be so an hour you said cuz i always thought you should take your blood sugar and ketones as you wake up before you do anything but you said an hour after and yeah we- there's a thing called the dawn phenomenon in the morning when you wake up your body gives you a bit of a, a cortisol spike say hey you got to start your day and because of that cortisol spike cortisol is driven either by stress or your body releasing the cortisol it actually will increase your blood glucose through glucose neogenesis it's actually going to metabolize your bodily fat and say hey we're going to give you a little bit more glucose for for your energy which is absolutely fantastic and i i think it was was it dr lunquist that said there are essential fats or you're going to die there are essential proteins or you're going to die 
but there are no essential carbohydrates because we can manufacture all the glucose we like through glucose neogenesis from the fat that is on our body or the fat that we're in, in, ingesting. And I yeah. think that's an amazing piece. So that hour after waking is kind of like um, a, a good way of doing it. However, not everybody can do that hour after waking. So in all things, consistency sometimes is more important than trying to target optimal. If you wake up and every morning you measure as you wake up, great, that's perfect. Uh, you know, if you can do an hour after waking, get up, you know, water the plants, do the do those morning little chores that you are, and then you get to that hour and you're still fasted and you can do that measurement, great. But as long as you can be consistent for, for you to get that baseline. Yeah. And then would you say for someone, if they were just starting out, that they should then track their macros to see how it's affected affecting absolutely i think it's a learning um a learning point just when you first start to do a macro calculator there's actually a free macro calculator on our, on our website you can go up to the top there and do it and really i think of that as learning but then after that i'm also one that likes to give that up but that's my style of doing it i'm a typical guy i like i want to be as efficient as i can i want to be as re reduce the complication out of it learn adapt and then just live my life as a lifestyle because of it I mean, I'm, I'm in, to a certain extent, I'm the world's worst businessman because what I'm ultimately trying to do is if I've done my job correctly, you will no longer need my product. Mm. It's all about trying to get population healthy. Now, we can see some of these big farmers in America where they want you to be onto their CGM and be diabetic for the rest of your life. And all they want you to do is eat what you like, but don't worry, our friends in the insulin world will give you some insulin to cover it till you end up being a type one, type two, and brittle diabetes all at the same time. And you know, you're know you gonna be a slave to their machines and their insulin for the rest of your life, rather yeah. than reversing it and living a healthy, vibrant life. And that's where our business plans diverge and that's why my wife and I have, we have our own 501c3 public charity where we fund clinical trials and studies into the efficacy and use of ketogenic therapies. Because you know, I don't have kids. So what's my legacy going to be in life? That I made a buck or I made a difference? Yeah, wonderful. I love that. Um, do you, uh, here's another question that I've been wondering. Um, Louise and I have spoken about it a few times. Do you think that the longer you're in a ketogenic state or, you know, in and out of ketosis so i've been keto for now five years do you think over time your body produces less ketones that you actually need less ketones and therefore that's why the number on the meter is lower hmm. uh, i think definitely more studies would need to be done on that uh i found my my ketones stabilized so like i said I, it's easy for me to between 1.1 and 1.1 Seven. That's just for me. For my wife, for many years, uh, for about a year or two, uh, she was always 0 0.3, 0 0.4s, and 0.5s. But then we were doing more conferences, we were doing more one meal a day, more fasting. And uh, she found that her ketone levels started to, to pop up. And now she is now more in that stable ones. So I think it's how your approach might be. There could be some people who might be doing ketogenic diet, but might not have a lot of bodily fat to turn into um, ketones. And they might not be, they might be carnivores and not having a huge amount of fat that's in their diet. So they could then end up with being 
low ketones. Your body is very efficient. You know, what we measure is in the tank. What we're not measuring is how efficient your liver is at producing ketones, nor how well your, on a cellular level, your mitochondria is at receiving those mm, ketones because that fat adaption can take 12 weeks. I mean, when uh, doctors Volek and Finney, Finney wrote the, the Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living, it was their faster study that proves that it takes 12 weeks to get fat adapted. And I definitely feel that over time, changes do, do happen within the, in the body. Stability comes in uh, because you've got to realize that you've got for a lot of this on the cellular level, you need to have a lot of apoptosis and autophagy for your cells to move through and, and change. There are, there are some people that would say that, you know, as, as you renew different parts of your body as we go through life, that that needs to adjust and change. Now, some cells have cellular memory, so it still remembers when you were diabetic, but it can also renew itself. And so this, this change can happen. And then there's still a debate on homesis. Like I personally, for myself, prefer to remain in a state of nutritional ketosis all the time because I do it for my mental health. That's mm -hmm. my why. Yeah. Now, there are some sports people who will say, well, you can carb cycle. Okay, that's great for you as a sports person. But what if you have, to have a carb addiction problem like I had with milk chocolate hot knobs? Yeah. It, that's kind of like saying to an alcoholic, you, you can be teetotal during the week, but it's all right to go on a bender at weekends. Yeah. So it's, this is where we have to be very careful on, on what we say is absolutes. And this is where the role of the coach becomes so important and the role of the educators becomes so important because we've got to look at the reason why that person is doing what they're doing, find the absolute right plan for their bio-individuality and create the right model that, that allows them to have the, the right lifestyle. Yeah. I remember lifestyle can be hard. When you go on out there into the real world and you go to the petrol station and all you see is carb fest, you go into the doctor's office and somebody decides, especially in America, they love to put candies out and sweets out and, and like breath mints and stuff. And I could keep looking at that. I go into the pharmacy and at eye level, there's, there's all these Mentos and candies and sweets for children. And you wonder why we have carb addiction problems in, in America and across the Western society. Yeah. Well, we don't wonder why anymore. We know why. <laughs> yeah. And that then the, the children have been started off from, you know, almost from birth with their breast, not the breast milk, the formula milk you know, with the that's sugar. That's a really interesting thing. Um, uh, did, was it Dr. Georgia Ede spoke at Public Health Collective or maybe that was at the Keto Live conference in Switzerland? It was, I think it was the Keto Live conference in Switzerland, uh, on the first 1,000 days of a child's life. Um, so this is, you know, second trimester, third trimester, through birth. And it was very fascinating that even in the second trimester, the mother is in a mild ketotic state, the child is in a ketotic state. By the third trimester, they, they were measuring the mother's ketones, as a Japanese study, the child's ketones and the placenta. Now, both of them were in the mid, like fours, fives, and sixes um, for each of the individuals, but the placenta was like 2.85 millimoles for ketones. Wow. The placenta yeah. being the buffer, the energy that was through it. Then when a child is actually born, because it's by the time it gets born, it's really fat adapted, isn't it? Because it's been in ketosis for so long. Yeah. And that ketones 
It's really easy. Um, Jessica Ernst is our clinical educator, and she was 11 years at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital doing pediatric epilepsy. She says it's quite easy to get high levels of, of ketones on children because they've got small bodies, and in fact, it's really easy to pop them up. But if you look at a mother's milk, it actually is ketotic. It's and the child is born with a lot of brown fat that it can easily, which is high in mitochondria, which is really easy to shunt into energy between feeds. Yes. So we start off with ketosis. We know that ketones are great for the brain because of what the work's been done in epilepsy and other areas and for those parts. So now if brain development is the most important thing for the child and breastfeeding, as we have said, is the most important thing for that child, why would we stop and give formula with glucose? Now, Dr. Robert Seiber said, well, that's potentially child abuse. Yeah. Yeah, the glucose and the cow's milk, which has massive growth hormones, which are not necessarily the growth hormones that we need, them growth hormones to make big cows. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And how we we've changed over the last maybe 57, no, probably 70 years from going from breastfeeding to breastfeeding almost being unheard of, not not totally unheard of, but, you know, it's not the norm anymore, is it? And yeah, then I mean, we, we've forgotten a lot of the things that our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers have done. And I, I think we need to kind of like really take a good hard look at, you know, when when good tallow and, you know, we kept my, remember my grandmother keeping the drippings that was in her refrigerator all of the time and reusing that, you know, then all of a sudden the margarine started coming on in. Then all of the seed oils started coming in the health because we were told that it was healthy. Mm. This industrialized product was told that we were healthy. And, you know, there began a lot of the major changes as food giants tried to get us hooked on different types of foods because they knew the, 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 the interaction between sugars and oils would create, light up those dopamine centers in our brains because your brain on glucose is the same as your brain on uh, cocaine if you look at the dopamine centers. So uh, uh, a big profound change. Yeah. And, but the cool thing, and which is what pleases me the most, is a revolution happens one person and one doctor at a time. Yeah. And people like yourself talking about it. And that starts to catch fire. And slowly but surely from a bottom up, and a top-down approach will finally see that change approach. Yeah, and it has changed. I, I, I don't know if you notice it, but since I've been keto, there's been a massive change over the last, particularly the last few years, three years. Absolutely. And this, this has been done by um, in, in, in Great Britain by the likes of Dr. David Unwin, Dr. Jen Unwin, um, in type 1 diabetes, the work by Dr. Ian um, Lake, you know, and then here in the United States, the work that um, uh, Dr. Steve, Stephen Finney and Sami Inkanen and Dr. Volick have done with Verta Health, clinically proving for the first time, which is a very expensive undertaking, clinically proving that, that we can reverse the effects of, we can reverse type 2 diabetes in 65% of cases, reduce down um, uh, exogenous insulin by over 91%. And I think it was like almost 90% of people would come off medications. Yeah. Now that's a profound reduction in cost. And, you know, I look at the single payer systems, which is in the European Union, 
your wonderful national health system uh, that, that uh, you have in England. Well, everyone's saying, well, the national health system is so overburdened. Well, if we can remove one disease state, just one, like type two diabetes, <laughs> how many millions of dollars? I think Dr. Unwin spoke at the Public Health Collective. He said that his savings in just his practice was sufficient that if it was multiplied out of all of the other practices that was in, uh, in the United Kingdom, at his same success rate, which wasn't a great success rate, by the way, yeah, I think there are more tools that can make it even better. It could save over 200 million pounds. That's another hospital being built in yeah. the United Kingdom, a brand new hospital every single year for yeah. one disease state. Not even now, when we start talking about metabolic syndrome and all the other effects that can, be, that can come out from carbohydrates, now we can really start to do a huge amount of difference. Yeah. And we are now here in the United States working in neurological and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible. So you said you, 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 you fund some of the, or you put money towards clinical trials. What are some of the clinical trials that you have funded or that you particularly are interested in that, that really catch you, you as a person? Well, um, we work in multiple ways. We either can fund in its entirety if we have enough dollars for it and it's a very small trial and it's uh, a small trial going for a short period of time. That's what the foundation can do. As a company, we can either sometimes give um, free, free goods depending on uh, for others. If they have a technical budget, we can do a subsidized cost. So we're working many different ways to do it. Uh, of the clinical trials, I think the ones that I see the most promising is the work that's currently being done in mental health is quite incredible. Dr. Ian Campbell at the University of Edinburgh, along with um, Dr. Christopher Palmer of the University of Harvard, uh, the work that they're doing in bipolar and utilizing ketogenic diets for bipolar, along with the Bazuki Foundation, is quite incredible. Um, the results are very quick to show yeah. and they can be very lasting. So I think in the world of um, bipolar, schizophrenia and ADHD and the mental health and anxiety and depression, all of those things, the use of a targeted metabolic therapy and a well-regulated ketogenic diet. And let me just say a well-regulated ketogenic diet and maybe and anybody who is bipolar that's out there or schizophrenia or whatever, like you need a pro to be with you. You've got to have somebody, you need to have a mental health professional who is skilled in metabolic interventions to help you up. Because I remember Dr. Chris Palmer saying, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You know, he talks about when my ketones get too high and I get that mania, where and like, well, a little bit of mania and you end up cleaning the house is good for most people, but a little bit of mania in somebody who is in bipolar or schizophrenia can be very, very difficult. And so I want to be very clear that I'm advocating for uh, health professionals to, to be with somebody and help them on their journey. But yeah. psychologists, I think, are much better at helping people with a metabolic therapy than your average doctor, because your average doctor utilizes an episodic method of care. That means, here, come see me. I want you to do this. Come back in 30 days. And it's come back in 60 days or three months or a year. Yeah. That's episodic. Whereas a psychologist does a continuous remote care or continuous care, it's like, hey, let's try this. If you've got a problem tomorrow, give me a buzz and let's talk about it. Or let's come in and see me next week. So they're really working on 
behavioral change. Yeah. And it is behavioral change. It is becoming, creating that lifestyle that becomes the optimal for you to deal with what you need to deal with within your life. Yeah. And and you need that support to, as the support as well, to get you through and to keep you in a way balanced, I think. And yeah. So, so on the clinical trials, I certainly think that um, mental health is one of, one of one of my favorites at the moment. The other one that I think, which is what I call the the, the great sh- the, the great quick win, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm. Um, we were involved in a trial where they were showing because because the liver uses fat de novo, like it can utilize the fat around it really really quickly. So you can actually see changes in the liver within 10, 15 days, and that can be measured. So here's the point where in a 30-day intervention, you can have a profound effect on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, profound effect. Mm. And so that's kind of like one of those lovely, great wins that you, you can see. And we're looking forward to seeing more of the clinical trials coming out of that. The challenge that we'll have on all of this, because as the science keeps coming out, the challenge is changing the doctors. Because there are different guilds that have been set up across, you know, the American Society of Bariatric Surgeons, uh, you know, the Royal Academy of Endocrinology or Nephrology. You need, we need doctors who have been converted, who have seen that data, who have applied the science to step up and walk into the lion's den and be willing to fend off those, those assaults that will come from mainstream and defend that position. But I think when we see the work that Verta Health has done in the United States in type 2 diabetes. Once we get one disease state proven unequivocally, and we just saw in this last month, last 30 days, the American Diabetic Association brought out a paper on utilizing very low carbohydrate ketogenic diets as a, as a method treating type 2 diabetes they still haven't moved away from the other ones you know they're still like still but they've, they've made this pivot yes. which is a massive step now they're still advocating for margarines and seed oils which i just think is like mind-blown but hey you went a step in the right direction i'll take that ada um but once you get one of those disease states done and there's enough on those papers to showcase that then we'll see these other disease states start to that and then when it becomes doctor recommended you know, I go and I get on the plane. It's really easy if I wanted to order a vegan meal, which I would never do. But why can't I order a ketogenic meal for my for my insulin resistance? Yeah, but I can't because if yeah. you look at the diabetic meal, it's still the diabetic meal of old. Yeah, it's not what we want. So as it becomes easier, and I have to say that in the United States, it's much easier for me to eat out now um, because actually a lot of times. Uh, technology has made it easier to make substitutions on a meal because the way that they set up their ordering systems, they can say no potatoes, no rice, and then substitute in cauliflower, substitute in broccoli. It becomes a lot easier to change a dish in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're also working with practitioners and coaches like myself. Um, Tell us a bit about how that side works in in case we've got I'm sure, I know yeah. that we have um, doctors listening. I know that we have coaches listening. So tell us a little bit how you can help them with their practices. Yeah, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, we started on a project called My Mojo Health. Um, and I alluded it to before, which is a secure 
uh, encrypted health cloud. It covers the American HIPAA compliance. It also covers for public health information compliance for the European Union. And the goal of this was to create a system where you could affect remote patient monitoring. But we kind of like have been taking it a little bit step forward. I was very blessed um, to spend some time with Dr. Sarah Holberg before she passed away and was also um, saw her presentation of her paper um, at the 7th Annual Symposium for Ketogenic Therapies for Neurological Disorders that was held last October in, in Brighton. And it was in that paper that she presented what's known as the continuous remote care model. And this is harkening back a little bit to the psychology that we just mentioned that was utilizing it. So if you can bring in a continuous remote care model in a remote patient monitoring situation where a coach, mentor, doctor can see real time data of ketone measurements and glucose, and then can see, say, say okay, I want to see everybody today who um, uh, is in ketosis but has a low blood glucose. Oh, those are my type 2 diabetes patients. We need to perhaps change their medication. Let me reach out and have an appointment. And now that say, hey, have an appointment. Use our calendarly link or our appointment service here. I'd like you to meet with one of our coaches. So now you remotely, you can do that do no harm thing. The next thing you can do is everybody who is in ketosis, you could send an email to 100, 500, 1,000 people and say, hey, great ketone measurements today. Keep up the good work. We love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that you can do is look at those who are maybe not in ketosis. This is how you triage a patient population and you go, why? What happened with you? And you say, hey, let's have an appointment with the coach. Well, I'd like to see what's going on. And then we can figure it out because behavior change in real time and you can go like, well, you reach out. And then once that coaching session comes through, what are you going to hear? It might be, oh, well, we had, had a death in the family and I was with everybody. I wasn't feeling really good. And there was all this cake and stuff. And I ate it. I get it. Okay. So wait, do you want to get back onto the wagon or you want to, want to change that? Because today's a new day. You can only change today and, and change the future. And then you help them get back on. Instead of this episodic method of care, as they come in every three months, they fall off the wagon and then they go like, okay, I'll see the doctor. You get that accountability. And so we built out this platform and we offer it for free. It's at no cost. Uh, It can be utilized by any coach. They just have to sign up. They have to be obviously a a professional or or a coach. It can be used by any individual. Uh, obviously, you can connect our meter through Bluetooth to our app and beyond, but you can even utilize it manually by inputting it in anywhere else. Our goal is to affect metabolic change. And the only way you can do that is to try and remove the paywalls that exist there so that somebody can affect and change themselves. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, it's really good. And I, you know, I, I have used constant glucose monitor with my clients. And yeah, and I, I love that. You know, I'm now signed up with my Mojo Health and I love that I can use that with my clients. If not all my clients want to be in ketosis, they they sometimes just want to start changing some things around their health and lifestyle and they don't particularly want to be going that deep into ketosis. But if they do, then I can watch them, monitor them. That's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, and also the cool thing is like, you know, obviously we designed it with glucose and ketones as the primary, 
But you can also, if you're utilizing Apple HealthKit now, you can connect that on in. And so you can bring in other things, like I bring in my vitamin D from my DMinder app. You can bring in your weight. You can bring in your BMI. You can bring in measurements over a period of time. And so the coach can see all of these different data points. We currently have over 50 million data points that is on the system. We've got about 3.6 million glucose measurements, about 3.4 million ketone measurements. Um, so it's a massively robust system, but now you get this great population data. And eventually, as we grow it out over the next um, 60 to 90 days, um, we'll have some additional feeds in. So yes, you can use it at a very high level and simple, or you can start diving on in if you really want to, to learn and get some of the different things and, and really understand what's going on um, uh, within, within your body. Uh, yeah. So we think it can have a, a profound change in, in people's lives. Yeah. I, I definitely think so. And I think people are now becoming more aware that they can do that and they can take measurements and they can see what's happening in their body. And um, yeah. But on the flip side, on the flip side, and I want to say this because it's on the flip side, if you get your carbs under 20, yeah, for most people, you will naturally get into a state of nutritional ketosis. Yeah, You can track your foods for a while. You can do it as expensive as you like or as low cost as you like. But the main thing is to actually start. Yes. That's that's what a lot of people have the challenge with. It's, it's that start and it's how do I start? Now, I'm one of those people that if I'm going to start something, I'm going to go all in, I'm going to do it. And for us, when we started, it was we got rid of all the white devils. I opened up every cupboard in the, in, the, in the pantry, every cupboard that was like that. And I pulled out every single carbohydrate that existed within my um, within our house, put it into boxes. Then, it was, then I was left with the quandary. It was like, who do I give all this food to? Because if you've yeah. always thought that this food <laughs> is poison to you, you're, you're going to really go and give it out to somebody. So in the end, I opted for my compost heap, which I think is the best place for carbohydrates. Or obviously, if somebody's hungry, then they need something to eat. But for me, it was compost heap and yeah. composted everything. And then I started fresh from that moment. Yeah. That was my choice. <clears throat> and I think that's good if you're doing it as a couple and maybe without children. But I think a lot of people are doing it by themselves and they're still living around people who are not willing to get on board with them. And therefore, you know, what? how I started was just having a little part of a cupboard where my stuff was and so i didn't have to go to the other cupboards where all those foods were that were likely to derail me and i just kept to my cupboard so you know not everybody has the luxury to be able to throw everything out or give it away yeah and you know but it's, it's an interesting thing um we were at um keto college which was done by matthew's friends in the united kingdom that was held um in East Sussex, in East Grinstead, East Sussex, and a psychologist was speaking, um, and this was uh, predominantly for uh, pediatric epilepsy. And if you look at the studies, the most successful child in uh, reducing seizures is when the entire family do it together. Yeah. And, you know, otherwise that child, if they're having something different, they're like, well, I, I feel different because nobody else, my siblings aren't doing it. And then there's more chance of derailment for that individual. But when you have that unit and you have that family support, the outcomes are, can almost double 
uh, yeah. for, for that individual. So, so this is the challenge. And it's the same thing with the challenge in society when you want to go out and say, hey, I'm low-carb ketogenic. Do you have any substitutions on the menu? Uh, and you know, can you get can you get some good keto food at Nando's? I don't know the Nando's water, but I know it's a chain in England. So it's like once you start seeing that, and it becomes easier and it becomes more accepted. This is then all and I think it's for sure that the Europe is definitely behind where America is right now with regards to that. Yeah, well, it'd be good for us to follow America in some healthy way. Rather than in, in, in a healthy way, but not in other ways. Let me be sure, as somebody who's yeah. a resident here, <laughs> yeah, because some we, things you don't want to take from America. But we take everything from America, including a failed education system to uh, the eat well plate and all things like that. We've we've taken up, so we've followed you in that. So maybe if we follow in some of the healthy things, that would be really good. I hope so. Um. So, what are you? Some of your future goals for the so you've you've grown from being a startup to helping people one-on-one with their metering and now you're helping um, coaches and professionals monitor their clients and patients where do you see the future going so you know we choose to use the wealth of america and of europe to help subsidize going into countries where it doesn't make economic sense um you know, does it make me economic sense for me to be in Costa Rica or does it make sense for me to be in, in a smaller country? No, it doesn't. But we believe if we're going to affect metabolic change, we're going to have to be able to give the tools on a, on a, on a global scale and the ability to, to grow uh, into that. Now, I want to be very clear, we're, we're privately held by myself and my wife. We choose to make decisions that VC Capital might not agree with us. You know, VC Capital wants 65 points of margin and an exit strategy or an IPO within five years to de-risk. Well, we grow from cash flow from operations and we choose to make some decisions because we think it's the right decision for society rather than just for a bank account. Sure. Uh, and that's that's quite fundamental. So the goal with our MyLoto Health platform is we're growing it out. We have over 160 clinics that are currently utilizing. As I said, we have over 50 million data points uh, but and about 48,000 monthly users. But the goal then is to be able to put that into multiple languages. Uh, we're currently in eight, but we're going to increase those numbers of languages out there. The goal is of ultimately that we want to connect the coaches and doctors with the patient so that you'll be able to go on in and say, I want to find a metabolic doc in my area that might specialize in cancer or might specialize in multiple sclerosis or kidney disease. And you can go tick, pick and go, there's that. Then you know that you can find that. Trying to find a doctor who understands you, understands your needs is really hard. So we want to be able to connect them together and be able to do that on a, on a global uh, scale. We've already have a, a website that sees about 3 million visitors every year where we offer recipes, how-to guides, resources. We have all the low-carb USA um, videos going back over five years. It's 200 hours of CME-credited, uh, uh, high-quality, um, peer-reviewed doctor um, presentation. So anybody can go into the deep rabbit hole that's there. And we offer that all the way for free. So our yep. goal is how do we give the tools, give the resources, give everything and remove those those payrolls, put it into as many languages as possible and connect the people together so that 
and we have the tools to affect that change. Mm, yeah, lovely. Thank you. So is there anything else that you would like to tell us about that I haven't asked you or we haven't spoken about? Uh, I think we pretty much covered the whole thing. I mean, we could go a little bit into glucose ketone index, but we might need to want to save that for uh, uh, another another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So how can people get in contact with you? Uh, so you can contact our customer service at support at ketomojo.com. You can go to ketomojo.com to find out all of the information. You can set that into any language that you like. Just go down to the, to the, um, at the bottom. We are available for shipping across the whole of the European Union. And uh, we, you can, we can ship from the Netherlands where our base is into the UK. Uh, so there's no problem with with doing that. Thankfully, we've sort of out sorted out the the Brexit ruffles that was <laughs> causing us challenges of shop shipping from EU to in, but that's kind of like moved through. And we are actually opening up a small hub uh, in Bristol because I actually visited with a fulfillment company in Bristol, and hopefully we'll have that done in the next sixty days. And so we'll even be able to speed up shipping to to the UK. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and so now we always ask at this point, we always ask for your three top tips. Three top tips. Well, I kind of mentioned one about casting out the white devils, but that might not always work for somebody in, in, that, in that first web. So getting yourself prepared for what you can do. Uh, my other one would be certainly uh, calculate your macros, check those out and use them for a while. But, you know, once you've learned it, cast them off. Utilize obviously a, uh, uh, a ketone and glucose measurement device to act as your compass um, uh, to to guide you. And I'm very much a person, I'm going to give one more, a bonus one. I'm a jerfa. Uh, I just eat real food. Yeah. I do not do many keto cookies and stuff like that. I mean, maybe occasionally when I go to a conference because I do actually find that sugar alcohols uh, can give me uh, an insulin spike. So I choose not to use keto foods i kind of like think of them as uh, methadone for a heroin addict you know <laughs> my palate's changed over these five years i embraced a little bit of the acid i embraced the um uh, a little bit of bitterness occasionally in in foods and i enjoy good quality fats so i steer away from those desserts and cookies that are so-called keto foods yeah i don't eat that many either very occasionally thank you thank you so much for your time and thank you for being with us you're welcome. Thank you. Dorian is one of the many guests that we've had who have improved their mental health through changing their diet. It doesn't surprise me anymore that when you improve your nutrition, you improve your mental health. I don't consider that I had mental health issues prior to 2017, but even I noticed improvement in my mental health. For me, the change was more in what I now believe is possible, how I feel about myself, what I can achieve. All these things really have come into play now. For people like Dorian, it's been a lifesaver. He was able to come off all his antidepressant medication and that's not to be underestimated because it's hard to come off antidepressants. I had learnt that it's important to take your blood glucose and ketones on waking before doing anything. Um, and Dorian said to wait an hour before taking the measurements to allow the dawn phenomenon to pass. The dawn phenomenon 
is part of the hormone changes that occur on waking. As the day dawns, your cortisol rises. That's to wake you up. And this also causes an increase in insulin release. So that comes more into play. And so that's what's happening in the body. And this is quite normal and natural. Since talking to Dorian, if I'm taking my blood measurements, I set a timer for an hour so that I don't forget. And I agree with Dorian that it doesn't matter when you take it, so long as you do it consistently, either on waking or an hour later. The actual number is not as important as what what that is for you. So you don't want to be taking it one day on waking and then another day an hour later. So as he said, if you can't do it an hour later because of your work schedule or your schedule or whatever's going on, then do it on waking, but just keep it consistent at that time. And don't compare your blood sugar to other people. And I'm going to give you an example of Louise and I. So my morning blood sugar sits around 5.2, between 5 and 5.3, but around 5.2, which is um, 94 millilitres per deciliter. And that's normal for me, whereas Louise's blood glucose is a lot lower and she's around four four millimoles. Um, So she sits around 72 milligrams per deciliter. So we can't compare to each other. And so you shouldn't be comparing to anyone else. My blood sugar will only get as low as Louise's after several days of fasting. One of the other things I love that Dorian said is, what is my legacy going to be in life that I made a buck or I made a difference? And Dorian and Gemma are really trying to connect people with the tools that affect change. They're not looking at the money, but they're looking at who can they help, even if it's a small country or a poor country. As a privately held company, they can make those choices because they're not answerable to shareholders. So I thought that was, you know, they're really doing some wonderful things and trying to improve health. So if you want to go to the show notes for this episode, go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 115. And if you're looking to make any changes, maybe it's about testing your ketones or your blood sugar and you want to see what changes and what changes to what you eat make a, how that influences your body and your ketones and your blood sugar, then this is where the Fabulously Keto Diet and Lifestyle Journal can be a beneficial. It gives you a focus for the 12 weeks and then you see how the changes that you're making affect you. The journal is available on Amazon. Just search the Fabulously Keto Diet and Lifestyle Journal or click the link in our show notes page. And today, It's Thanksgiving in the USA, so happy Thanksgiving to all our US listeners. It's also the start of the holiday season. So now might not be the right time for you to make changes, but maybe you'll be ready to make those changes in January. I'm going to be running a course in January called New Year, New Body, New You, which will help you to get your body in shape. Whether you're looking to lose weight or improve your metabolism, so that you have more energy and more get up and go, whatever your reason for making those changes, then I'm going to be able to help you with this course, which will be a small group of people 
Um, some of it will be group sessions. Some of it will be one-to-one time. So if you'd like to find out more, you can message me via our contact form on the website, which is fabulouslyketo.com forward slash contact hyphen us. So we'll see you next week. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto One and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.